Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. I'm, I'm going to be taking a few days off. Hope you are too. We're in the holiday season. So we'll be doing a little bit of a best of tomorrow night. Um, but we got a great show planned for you. We're going to talk about tips to relax. I know we really do need to talk about things like that. I think, I think not everyone's aware what's possible or what relaxation actually means or looks like. So we're going to be talking about that. Also doing some body positivity in terms of exercise. Why I want everyone, every single one to be able to move their body and to feel good about it, you know, and there's so many different ways that we can do that. So we're going to talk about that and uh, also talk about how to have the difficult but important conversation with your family about COVID, COVID rules, COVID expectations, travel, whether you are, whether you're not, what you need. We're going to break that down for you. Uh, Really important. And I want everyone to start having that now. But in order to have the conversations, you got to really feel confident. So we're going to talk about what to consider, how to do it. As always, question of the night is up on our Loveland at G page. That is in the story. So weigh in on that. And then uh, some DMs. And I want to just remind you guys to check in on people. I was talking about that last night, but please reach out and check in on people. Even the ones you think that are uh, covered, you know, they're the strong ones, tons of friends, lots going on, check in on them. I work with some people in my practice and it is so thoughtful and meaningful and so profound when someone reaches out because sometimes you might be the only person that's checked in on them that day, that week, and people need to be reminded that others are thinking about them and that they care. So reach out to people, you know, it's powerful stuff. It's a difficult time more than ever because of COVID and everything else. People need to know that they're not alone. And I think a lot of people do, you know, um, but holiday season's here. Everyone has different thoughts and feelings about that. Loveline has you covered. We're going to talk about ways to handle it, manage it, think about it, talk about it, what you can do. So uh, we'll be doing all of that. Um, but we also had a couple of days ago, it was International Men's Day. And um, I didn't jump right on it. There's a lot of important days that come up. I try to honor as many as possible. Uh, put out an IG post that was just trying to remind people that the goal is really about just being authentic to who you are you know, and not feeling like you have to live up to any ideals or norms around masculinity or femininity, that those words can be very limiting, you know, and that there's so many different ways that people that are male or female identified show up. And the work shouldn't be about shaming how creative or diverse you are. The work shouldn't be about aligning with what's expected or what's normalized, which thankfully those concepts have really gotten kind of torn apart and dismantled. And now on media, which is such a powerful socializer and normalizer, we're seeing so many different forms of expression. Like we talked about Harry Styles on the cover of Vogue wearing a dress that upset so many people. And I thought, why? Let people just live in the ways that feel comfortable for them and kind of keep your anxiety about that to yourself. You know, that really shows you where your limits are and other people shouldn't 
quiet down or water down who they are in service of making those around them comfortable. You know, we have to get very familiar with these creative, diverse ways of being because that's how the younger generations are, you know? So again, I don't want people to be a real man. I want people to be the real them, be the real you, you know, and be around people that also support that because toxic masculinity is real and it harms a lot of people and it harms all of us. It limits all of us, you know? And I want men to be able to express a full range of emotions, all of them, I don't want people to feel like if they're male identified that they always have to be strong or muscular, right? Or aggressive. It's okay for people that are male identified to be more passive or soft or emotional, right? And they can be affectionate. And also we're just trying to move away from the idea that strength is always aggressive or violent, that there's so many ways to move through the world as a male and to solve problems and to deal with feeling powerless or disempowered, but it doesn't always have to be aggression or violence, you know? And we want those in our lives to support that because it's not just the work on the individual, it's what culture supports and allows. And so if you have a relationship with someone who's male identified, which I'm sure you do, really try to be someone who's there to let them be how they are and hold space for that. We need to be able to look out into the world around us and feel like it's safe for us to kind of be who we are. I talk all the time about men crying in public. We talked about Van Jones doing that on election night on air. I think it was CNN and how it was so moving, but also really upset a lot of people. It's really hard for us to be ourselves, especially in terms of softness and vulnerability. It's one of the things that a lot of people in my office are practicing, and that's what therapy centered around, being more available to themselves and to those around them in those ways, because if someone can't be emotionally available, it really limits the ability to be intimate, right? And uh, it has a circular effect. So let's start supporting those around us and raising our children to just be authentic and honest in whatever way that looks and not having these preconceived notions or ideals or trying to squeeze them into boxes because psychologically that's abusive. That actually falls under emotional psychological abuse, you know, really limiting someone's expression and sense of who they are. And we don't want to do that to people we care about, right? We want everyone to feel good and empowered. So yeah, International Men's Day, it's really interesting. I know um, we talk a lot about things like male privilege, male privilege but uh, you know, highest rate of suicide men, you know, and uh, men really struggle often to seek mental health services. So therapy is for everyone. Just kind of kind reminder around that. Um, New Year's coming, maybe that's a goal to be more emotionally available, get into some therapy, do some of that work. Um, all right, y'all, question of the night, as I said, is up on our Loveline IG page in the stories. And coming up next, we're gonna talk about tips to relax. Yep, I had to kind of remind myself of this as well. So we're all, we're all in that boat together. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on radio.com. All right, we're back and uh, talking about ways to relax. <laughs> it, uh, it almost seems like a joke, right? I know times are very rough right now. And I know everyone's thinking, that sounds great. The concept of relaxing, not necessarily as realistic, but it really truly is. You know, it's not as difficult as maybe we think it is. And when it's most difficult to relax is often when we most need it, right? And again, everything that's happening around us, we're very much dropped in this really pressurized, highly stressed, amplified context of COVID and, you know, the echoes of the election, which, you know, you know, present, the president was decided. However, there's still so much more to come because that's always the case with the Trump administration. So um, some people are sitting very much in that. And then also just worried about the holidays, right? They're different this year and people are wondering, well, them being different this year is yet another stark reminder of the fact that we're in a pandemic for those that were able to kind of dissociate from that. So 
how do we really relax? And I think that it's an interesting question because if you pose that question and maybe try that, ask your spouse or a friend or another loved one, like, hey, what do you do to relax? A lot of people don't have good answers or the answers they give you is, is just kind of like, eh. So the first thing is you have to actually know what relaxes you. And, and I had to take a lot of time to actually figure that out. I didn't want to just follow these standardized ideas of what's calming for others because I'm not, I'm not really the bathtub kind of person, right? And I'll hear people say things like that, like, oh, I take a really beautiful bath and I like candles and I put music on. I wish that was soothing for me, but in fact, it isn't. <laughs> So you have to first know what, what very much works for who you are. Yoga is kind of the same thing for me as well. I'm not a yoga person. I actually tend to do better at times with a lot of exertion. Um, I can do things that are very, very centered and mindful, like my reading and my writing and other meditative things. But things like yoga or baths just were not two things that tended to work for me. And people that have been following my work for a long time, y'all might remember, I took a yoga teacher training a couple years ago. It was about two years ago. Because I really wanted to understand the theory of yoga, the practice of yoga, and try to find ways to better apply it to our lives. Um, and that journey really took me somewhere else. So I'm glad I went through that. But it also helped me realize that it wasn't necessarily the best vehicle for me to find relaxation. So I had to figure out what that meant for me. And for me, a lot of it led to reading and writing, where I had to have this certain entry point. My entry point into the most powerful form of relaxation for me, based on who I am and the lifestyle I lead, was that I had to leave my home. So I'd go outdoors to like a coffee shop or somewhere outdoors. So I needed to change my environment right? It was really hard for me to do the relaxation I needed to do at home or at the office. So I go to a different environment. That's what I need. And then I find something that kind of segues from high activity into low to no activity. And that's where reading came in. I would read. It was, I was active, but then I was also slowly kind of backing off of heavy exertion. And then at some point I would kind of move into writing and that was really what kind of landed the airplane. And so you have to figure out what your process is. Some people, they need to front load a few things to get to a place where they can relax, right? Where it's kind of more of a, a ritualized process. And I, and I even see that clinically. When I would come home from the office, I wasn't able, like a lot of other professionals, to just switch over and be like, I'm home now, you know what I mean? And leave your professional identity behind you or the stresses associated with your professional identity. I had to go through a ritual. And, and, and we, in our culture, we don't have rituals, but rituals are powerful ways that we start to shift a psychological state and move in from one to another. And we need to sometimes have an action tied to that. So what I would do is I would immediately change out of my work clothes because the clothing I was wearing was very much tied to that. And then I would shower. And as simple or as complex as that sounds, that allowed me in changing clothes and showering to then be like, I'm now home. Notice the change of environment. I'm clean. You know, it was like, a, it was like a really beautiful journey. Transitions are so important. So are rituals. So again, what relaxes you or what do you need to do to help lead you to that place of relaxation? Like I said, my entry point was reading. It was still a little bit active, but then started to kind of slow me down. And you also have to be intentional about it. And that's why for me, it's about carving out time. I now get up really early. I go to bed earlier and I get up earlier and I get up early enough to watch the sunrise every single morning. And that's part of me setting intentional time to relax because it sets a really needed tone for the rest of my day. I'm then starting my day on the foundation of self-care versus hopping out of bed, hitting the ground running, which is what I used to do. I would sleep in to the latest minute possible, hit the ground running, start drinking that coffee, change my clothes. And it was just really traumatic on my system to go from a literal zero of sleep to like 55. Now, I definitely run at a high speed. <laughs> 
lot of people are like, yes, we know. And I needed to though, figure out how could I start my day on a different leg, a different form and kind of build from there. And getting up early for me was one of those ways that I did it. I'd watch the sunrise. I still do that right now. Ground myself, set some intentions for the day and then move into my clinical work beginning. And it was really stunning. Uh, definitely, I was more awake, I was more present, I was more embodied, I was more grounded. Um, and it's something I'm gonna bring back to my work when I go to the office, which naturally just that car ride kind of allowed that transition. So that was really great for me, but um, we don't have that right now. And so that's the big question, right? Like how do we find these moments in these transitions while we're you know, still at home? It's hard. Um, and then, it, you know, again, you wanna really build it in frequently. It's about frequency. You know, think of it like a vitamin. You can't just take it one time and be like, ah, look, I'm good, I'm done. You know, I can ha I'm good for a week or a month. You take it every day and you build it up in your system. And I think that's another missing piece of all this is consistency. It has to be frequent, right? It's even how exercise can work realizing how consistently you need it for your goals, even therapy. Some clients once a week, some clients every other week, some twice a week, just really figuring out what your specific dose is, right? Seeing self-care and seeing what we're talking about relaxation as like a dosage, as a self-medicating process that is as important as everything else, you know? But it's always about looking at your lifestyle and seeing what will work for you. Like I said, the bath thing, just not my jam. <laughs> I wish it was. And you've heard me also say, I wish the cooking and the baking were as well. It just isn't. <laughs> I just so badly wish I found the joy in those things that other people do. But you know what? At the end of the day, just got to be who you are and where you are. All right, coming up next, we're going to do a little body positivity because again, exercise is for everybody. And I think that it can often be very daunting for those that don't feel like they have a quote unquote athletic or gym body. You know what I mean? And uh, also we're going to talk about some resources for those that want a body positive uh, trainer or like workout app. Cause right now a lot of people are doing exercises from home. So we got you covered question of the night as always is up on our Loveline IG page. So weigh in on that. Listen to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. Already we are back. Uh, let's just start with a reminder. Don't talk about people's bodies. Um, I can't go almost a full day without seeing someone commenting on someone's body, positive or negative. Either way, it traps us. If you give someone a compliment, it can feel really good, but it can also be somewhat of an unconscious communication of, hey, I need that from you. I expect that from you. This is what I prefer for you. People can build that in thinking, um, oh man, I, I need to give this to people. This is my best. This is what people want. I better maintain that. This is what's desirable about me. And the negative, of course, is just something that is really hard to leave behind. You say the, oof, the right, aka wrong, comment about someone's body or appearance, and it becomes a fixation and can lead to some serious body dysmorphia. Um, you know, and, and, and most of us have been there in some form. I mean, when I was in grade school, I had a lot of acne and it was really hard. It was really, really hard. I would stay home from school sometimes because of it. And uh, throughout my life, I've gotten compliments or negative feedback at different times based on my body shape or size. And, it, you know, you take it with you, you really internalize it. But I want to just say basically that exercise and movement are for everyone. And we use words like exercise or working out and then immediately in a lot of people's minds, they think of traditional gyms or traditional gym exercises and stressing and sweat. And no, it's just about movement. And we really want to move towards what we call intuitive exercising, which is saying like, what do I feel like today? And how long do I feel like moving my body for? And what feels best for me today? 
And, you know, I use the gym. That's my preferred place. Uh, one, because I'm very traditional and that's the culture in which I was raised around movement and exercise. And, um, I like what it affords me a multitude of different kinds of you know pieces of equipment and whatnot. And I, I go to the gym frequently. I have a lot of heart disease in my family and it's important that I'm uh, getting my heart rate up and, uh, you know, cardiovascular health and strength. But, um, I also just like the power exercises because there's something very embodying and meditative for me in those short bursts. And I do a lot of my best thinking and creativity there. I'm always in my notes on my phone, taking notes. And when I'm at the gym, my music's on and I'm disconnected from everyone. It's really, it works very well for me, but I, I do it in an intuitive way, uh, intuitive exercise. I'll say, you know, what, what do I feel like doing while I'm here today? And how long do I feel like being here for? And I check in with myself. Do I feel like I'm done? If I am, I go home. I don't set goals as to how many exercises, how many sets, how long I need to be there. I naturally honor what my body's telling me. And that's that's body positivity. That's physical health. That's embodiment. That's mental health. You know, leaving when it's time to go. Some days it'll be 30 minutes. Other days it might be an hour or more because I have a lot of energy to burn off or I really like the thought process that I'm on or my body's wanting to move longer and more and harder. And you just kind of go with that. And whatever comes of that is what comes of that. I just know that I'm taking my physical vitamin and I don't care about how I look. I don't weigh myself. I don't stare at myself in the mirror. It is what it is. You know what I mean? Like I'm vegan. I eat a plant-based diet. I enjoy sweets and fruits and whatever. And I move my body four to five days a week, do cardio for heart health. And it is what it is. You know, that's what works for me. Um, so what my bigger point also was just not to just, I wanted to normalize exercise, right? Because we, we, we can still do it, even though we're quarantining and staying at home and things are going under lockdown. You can still go for a walk. You can still buy things for use at home. You can still go online. There's tons of apps. There's tons of free programming on things like YouTube. But I do appreciate that somebody, some people don't want to see the standard gym body reflected because I've unfollowed all that. I don't need gym bodies and people showing their abs coming up on my social media feed. That, that, there's nothing in that for me. I don't think that that's of any worth or value. I don't care. I don't see that as an achievement. I'm like, great. You drank the Kool-Aid. Congrats. So I know for me, if I'm going to follow an exercise video, I want it to be someone of a diverse body of a larger body. I want to see things that don't trigger me or make me feel like I have to look a certain way. And there's a lot of things that are available. And so take the time to really find that there are body positive apps there are body positive workouts, body positive exercise and influencers. Um, there's one called no BS active. I am not paid to say these things. I can't speak to the quality of these apps or programs, but I'm mentioning dating apps and workout apps just to kind of remind you of the wealth of what's available. Another one called Yoga for Everyone, um, Canadian. There's one called Curves with Moves. Another one called Fat Kid Dance Party. Uh, in fact, Bevan, who does Fat Kid Dance Party, we've had her on Loveline before, and she went through childhood of tons of bullying and had to learn how to reclaim her body. And just is about having fun and moving your body. It's it's kind of cool. So um, check check all that out. Lots of stuff out there. You know, don't think that it's only one specific way. Do some exploring. You know, you're you're worth that. And it's going to be an act of self care. It's an act of mental health. But even more so in our culture, if you're larger bodied or fat. It's a radical act of self-esteem and activism, your mere presence, moving your body, saying that you're worth it and, and you can. And uh, we're just home all day long too. We need to, <laughs> if I told you how many hours a day I'm sitting to do therapy or sitting to lecture or sitting to write or sitting to read or sitting to do the radio show, it's a lot of sitting. <laughs> and then you go to bed for eight hours. 
it's a lot of laying and sitting. And so for me, I was like, eh, I need to move my body and I need to move it often. I also realized I need to get outside and get some fresh air and sunshine. So it kind of all ties into itself if you can bring it back. So don't be afraid of that stuff, but definitely build it in. It's important. All right, coming up next, we're going to be sliding into those DMs. Uh, and then we're going to talk about uh, the holidays. I know that, you know, we got one coming right up, but then we got a few more coming down the down the pike. It's going to keep changing our relationship to these things and our feelings. So we're I'm prepping you. I'm prepping you. We're dipping our toe in. We're going to start talking about it. You're listening to Love Lab with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right. I'm looking at an article here. This stuff is so adorable. It's a story about seniors that are buying tiny homes together with friends to live off grid for the rest of their years. I love that. What a great thing to do. First off, to own a tiny home, right? Not, not a lot to worry about maintenance wise, not a lot of cleaning, mobility issues, uh, very cozy. You're doing it with your friends, so they're right there next to you, but more importantly, off grid, not participating in the capitalist consumerist system. And you're saying, I'm taking the power back. I don't want to participate in norms and values of culture that aren't important or meaningful to me. I love this. In, in fact, a 2015 survey found that 30%, 30% of tiny homeowners were between 51 and 70, making senior citizens a huge part of the tiny home movement. So companies are now specializing in small residences equipped with comforts specially designed for this demographic. I love that. Used to see their little happy faces, three um, women in their later years, arms around each other, standing in front of their little adorable tiny homes. That's so sweet. Uh, all right, y'all, it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding into the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world and we want you to explore with confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris, I'm taking a chance and I'm traveling home to Northern California this fall. Ugh. I mean, you're willing to take that risk for yourself, but unfortunately, that's not you being thoughtful about the impact you might have on others. Um, taking extra precautions, you say, but besides my family, I'm going to see an old boyfriend. His name is Justin. And this pretty much happens every break I get a chance to come home. But, <laughs> so many buts, since I've been away, I've heard some rumors about him dating other girls. What are the fling rules? You're just a fling. Um, you're saying, um, huh, the rules are set by you and your partners. There are no golden rules, standard rules, universal rules ever. You have to always decide every couple, even if it's just a hookup or one-off has to decide what makes sense for them. So there is no overarching rule other than care and compassion, honesty. So you have to tell me, what are you looking for? You're saying it's just a fling. Uh, you said you think he's dating others. Um, do you have the right to ask him about it? Well, no, usually asking if someone's dating others is just being intrusive. If you're not living in that area and you're just looking for a fling, you don't need to know if he's dating others. All you need to know and ask is when's the last time you were tested so that you know what you're possibly susceptible for and you need to ask about STDs and STIs and also COVID because whatever you do there, you might be taking back to your family that you're staying with and also when you return from wherever it is you're coming from. So it's COVID and STD and STIs. When we last tested, what am I coming in contact with? But whether or not he's dating others, why does that matter? It's just a fling you said. That's not information you need to know. And I'm afraid, what, like, what are you going to do with that information? If he's like, yes, I'm seeing others, what do you do with that? If he says, no, I'm not, what do you do with that? If you want more, ask him if he's interested in more. But if it's really just a fling, then none of that matters. It should just be about sexual safety. So 
Yeah, I wouldn't ask. And if I was him, I wouldn't tell. I mean, if someone was coming home and uh, we hook up every time they're home and that's it and they want to know if I'm dating others, if it didn't feel like a loaded question, I might answer. But if it felt loaded, I'd put it back on them and say, what is it you're actually trying to ask? Why don't you be more honest and ask me outright? I mean, because otherwise, what are you going to do with that information? A lot of people shame people with that information. That's why I tell people you don't answer questions like that. Like, how many people have you had sex with? And data. It's like that doesn't matter. There's nothing to do with. Like, what do you make up about that? So yeah, um, see what happens though. But just make sure your boundaries and your expectations are aligned with theirs. But you keep saying the word fling. You said it three times in the question, so that tells me that they kind of are. Ah. This is what happens when we go home. All the old stuff comes right back up, right? We go home, we see family. All the old family of origin issues come back up, right? All of our old insecurities can sometimes come back up. So I think everyone, when they're returning home, has to just have that conversation with themselves. Be kind with myself. Take time away. You got to walk around with a lot of self-awareness and consciousness so that you're not running on autopilot, right? Um, don't reenact old patterns and habits. Maybe your family and friends back home have grown. You've grown, right? Like hold space for the chance for everyone to be better or a little bit different, right? We, we don't always do that. We, we kind of hold people accountable to who they used to be. Eh, we got to let people be who they are now, just like we want them to do that for us. So, you know, but good luck. You know, get a little sex while you're home. There's nothing nothing wrong with that. So do your thing. Uh, DMs come from our Loveline IG page. So if you got a DM for me, slide it on in there. Question of the night, as always, is up on our Loveline IG page in the stories. Um, coming up next, we're going to talk about how to discuss the holidays with your family because we got a lot of boundaries that we need to set these days, not just the normal ones. It's amplified now. Uh, and also, we're going to talk about COVID spreading and uh, how mouthwash is in there. Yeah, yeah, we got a little story about mouthwash. Listen to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, so we got to have an honest talk, y'all. Okay, it's not going to be comfortable. <laughs> it's not going to be what you want to hear. But I'm doing it from a place of love. I'm doing it from a place of public health. Holidays, you got to start talking to your friends and family members. <laughs> you got you to start letting them know we're not going to that party this year or we're not throwing that party this year. Or, hey, it sounds like you're thinking of still going home to visit your family. Let's just talk about the fact they're putting me and others at risk. I do want people to have that conversation. I'm not saying to shame anyone, although shame does actually work sometimes, but you do want to uh, hold some accountability in there. You know what I mean? It's okay to bring up like concerns and thoughts, but we have to start laying down that framework because there's some people that were really quite shocked. And this is coming into my clinical practice when they were told or witnessed the shock in someone else when they were saying it to someone that like they're not coming home for the holidays or they're not still throwing that party or group event. And people were like, really? And it's like, yeah, 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 really. We're in a pandemic, right? Um, cities and, and states are, are shutting schools down again. Um, oh my gosh, California's on its way back under a massive lockdown. So this, these things matter. But I want us to normalize and start having these conversations because we have a lot of holidays still coming up. And some family members, there's a lot of familial pressures to follow traditions. And you're going to have a lot of matriarchs and patriarchs in your family that are saying like, we expect you to still come home or we expect you to still come visit. And you know, we're still intending and it's not respectful or, you know, whatever it is, people crying and taking it personally. And you have to start to let them know, look, I might not be coming home this year. Well, not might I can't. And I'm doing that for my safety and your safety, or we need to do things differently. Maybe you're just having it with your shared household and you're no longer having others from outside come in right? Because that's part of the recommendations. Don't have anyone that doesn't live in the household coming into the household and don't be doing traveling. 
And there's a lot of people usually have big New Year's plans, big Christmas plans, other holiday plans. Um, and so you have to start having that conversation, letting your loved one down, you know, and sometimes it's a slow build. You're not ready to make that comment yet. You're just talking about those raising numbers. <laughs> you know what I mean? And recommendations that are kind of flinging around. So uh, sooner is going to be better. So start having that conversation now, you know, giving yourself a little bit of lead time, starting to normalize that, hey, we can still, like I keep saying, decorate. We can still play the music. We can still watch the movies, still make the food, still dress up. But uh, it might just be a you know, table for one or table for four. We're not all coming together. We're going to be able to do it next year if we do what we need to do this year. You know, Look, death is not worth attempting to be together for a holiday. We can still be together emotionally. We can still be together via technology. Again, it's not the same. I know that. My family's all on the East Coast. I would love to be spending the holidays with them. I won't out of protection for them, protection for me and protection from everyone else I come in contact with. You know, I would not want to go home and, and find out I brought something home because I'm asymptomatic. Uh, Dr. James Q. Simmons, our buddy at Loveline and Channel Q, he was on I'm Listening Live and he was saying the same thing. He's like, listen, uh, 40 to 50% of people that are positive aren't aware because they're asymptomatic. When he said that, that, that went deep. I was like, wow, that's horrifying. Because a lot of people are like, hey, I feel fine. I must be fine. No, 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 no. <laughs> that is not the case, you know? And it's not worth death or, or, or injury or someone being really sick um, for the sake of just, quote unquote, coming together for the holidays. So have that conversation sooner than later. You know, that's what really builds it and normalizes it, you know? Don't put it off. You want to get that, start to get that going. And also, you know, really go hard with the facts. Stick with the facts. Um, let them understand why. And not, not, not always does that work for people. Some people that just becomes a debate, right? About who put those facts out there and why. And for those individuals, you want to just set the boundary. Hey, listen, I'm not comfortable. You know what I mean? Because when you do open up a conversation about facts, you do set it up for the possibility of someone trying to debunk them or challenge them or not buy into them. So it's okay to just set the boundary. Hey, that's just not going to work for me this year. You know, it's a commitment I made to my family or my friends. I'm not comfortable doing that, you know, and that's got to be okay. And then we kind of land on like... This one's really interesting. The whole thing about your thoughts on others. That's what's coming into my office a lot is how do I weigh in on what I see to be really dangerous or problematic decision-making on other people's parts? And there's not a solid answer. If it's someone you're close to and you have the kind of relationship where you can be like, yo, that doesn't sound smart. I'm worried about that or I'm worried about you, then do so. But for others, you don't have the kind of relationship, then you have to kind of just mind your business. But you also get to set your boundaries with them. If people that you have contact with are not making decisions that you're okay with and they're yet still doing it, you still get to decide how much access they have to you afterwards. You know, you might not be able to weigh in on your friend or roommate going home for the holidays, but you sure as heck do get to decide whether or not they come home and stay with you. And that leads to another issue. What do you do when you're cohabitating and you have a roommate or a friend or a loved one who isn't following the rules? Well, living together requires our ability to talk like that. And if you can't, you shouldn't be living with someone, right? Like know that a prerequisite to live with someone is the knowledge that we're able to come together on agreements about how to run the household. And safety is part of that. And for some people, they're like, oh man, we never realized that that was something we weren't able to do until now, right? And so it's a little bit of um, push and pull. Maybe you have to self-isolate in your bedroom. I mean, tough times call for tough measures, but I want everyone to be compassionate. Remember, everything you're doing impacts those around you. I'm worried about students that went off to school or coming home then going back because they can be taken in one direction or the other, you know? That's how things really spread. And again, Dr. James Q. Simmons um, was saying that it's the airport, not necessarily the airplanes that we're worried about. I mean, think of all the different surfaces and individuals who come in contact with in an airport. Even right now, the numbers are down. Oof, you're not getting me in an airport or on an airplane 
anytime soon. Because <laughs> I'm not taking any risks, you know? So um, start these conversations now, though. That's, that's the most important takeaway. Knowing that it might be something you keep returning to or kind of, you know, chipping away at and uh, coming back with more information or more ideas. You know, get creative, y'all. Um, we're all doing the best we can. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk about uh, some more COVID information. Always new stuff coming out. I want to make sure everyone's up to par. And also, we're going to talk about mouthwash. Yep, stick around and find out why that is important. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all, we are talking about COVID. Oh, man, we have to think about it. You know, it's holiday time. People are doing stuff, boundaries, traveling. So what are the most common ways that COVID is spread specifically during the holidays? And again, we have a whole lot coming up, <laughs> big ones. So the first one is um, when people of all different ages come together in a place, and that's usually at the home around a dinner table, a party, uh, someone has the guests over. And, you know, you know, not shocking. The multitude of people you have in, that's each each added person's another element and entry point of risk, right? What have they been doing otherwise? What have they been up to until now? What are they bringing in? And how many people are sitting around them that they can spread it to? Because, you know, again, like I love when people are like, oh, we were very cautious. And then you see the photos and they're not wearing masks and or they're like a foot or two away from each other, holding each other, hugging each other, drinking and leaning on each other. Because remember, it's the indoors. It's the numbers in the indoors because the safest thing is what? the least number of people possible, outdoors for a short period of time, six feet apart and masked. It's really hard to replicate that indoors. The aerosols maintain. That's why I'm not seeing patients in my office. I don't want, I don't feel like I could protect them or myself with multiple people coming in and out, not knowing what else they've been up to or, or coming in contact with prior to entering my office. What are they leaving behind? Um, so that's the, that's the highest risk, right? Cause you know, again, we're talking about the most common ways during the holidays that COVID would potentially get spread. So it's bringing everyone together. And so if you're the matriarch or the patriarch or you're the planner, don't bring everyone together. Don't, don't be that linchpin, you know, and, and that might be just what's needed for everyone to stay in their nuclear household, you know? Um, so that's the first one and that's important. Another one is the coming and going. And we talked about that on our other segment where, you know, it's like the going off to school and coming back or the leaving your city to go to another city and then returning home. You're possibly taking it to the new place or bringing it back to the old place when you return. And that's the most dangerous versus, again, just being in your, your proper, your household proper and not leaving. So um, it's the mixing. It's the coming and going. It's the commuting. There's even been some talk here in California that maybe the governor might shut down some of the highways or freeways to stop people from traveling, which is heartbreaking that it has to be enforced in that way because people just aren't willing to kind of, you know, stay home and follow it. And then the next uh, level that it's most spread is indoors. You know, that's at the religious services, which come up around the holidays and also the bars because people are home. They want to go out and celebrate. People are in from out of town or going out to eat for the holidays. I know. I know. But remember, you can practice your religious and spiritual practices at home. You don't need to go to church. You don't need to gather. And bars, we can meet up with our friends outdoors. I've seen people where they're dragging lawn chairs, sitting spaced out with their masks on, having a beer, talking, playing music. That's what I told my mom she had to do, you know? And I think that that's still legit. I've met, I think, two friends, and that's what we did. Sat outside across from each other, fresh air, sunshine, caught up a little bit. It was good. We need that. Make a little eye contact, be in the presence of someone we feel safe with and care about. But again, getting together to a restaurant or the bar because we're all home for the holidays or whatever it is, going to religious services, those are what they call super spreader situations. And we have a lot of documented examples of that. 
um, different people in different numbers, different ages, different backgrounds from different places all coming together and then going back out. Like that's the thing, the coming and the going, you know, taking it and delivering it, you know, we've got to be thoughtful about that one. Um, and then finally we talk about things like travel, you know, trains, car rides, airplanes, again, confined, tight, enclosed spaces around a multitude of other people. I mean, it's the same consistent themes, right? That are making all these things the most uh, risky. So we gotta be aware of these. And I think what's interesting is not just the whole asymptomatic and still being able to spread, but also some people not understanding the incubation periods and thinking, well, I got tested today, so I'm good. And it's like, well, that test didn't necessarily cover today, yesterday, the day before, and the day before. And if you're getting tested and then going home, where are you going after you're going home? Are you gonna go back to where you came from and self-isolate until it's safe to take a test that covers having just been home? Like it's quite complicated. And it's putting people in interesting positions to try to figure out how to go where they wanna go and then come back, isolate, then get tested, and then reemerge into their household or their social network. But that's literally what that would need to look like. Because even remember, like keeping a distance and wearing a mask isn't fail-proof. That is not 100% elimination of the possibility of transmitting this or getting infected. That lowers the risk. Like I think some people think like we're solid. I'm six feet apart, got my mask on, we're good. No, you're just, you're, what you're doing in doing that is the best thing you can do while being around someone to be the safest. That is not knocking it down to a zero risk. That, that, uh, that six feet plus is just a rough estimate. Some people cough, they expel further, especially if they're laughing or talking loud, which is what happens at holidays and big events. That's why the gyms were so risky. You know what I mean? The people are breathing heavy, pumping out those aerosols, because that's really what we're most worried about. But you know, if you're like the center point of the family, you kind of get to set that standard. So please take all this seriously. People follow your lead. You know, the mom, the dad, the grandparents, or the aunt and uncle, like you have to be the one that starts to normalize. Like we're gonna be very particular. We're gonna be very cautious with each other, right? You kind of set that tone. So, you know, step up to that, please. And uh, I wanted to just quickly cover also mouthwash. So I'm the son of a dentist and my dad was such a proponent of mouthwash. And just looking at medical studies unrelated to COVID, it showed that frequent mouthwashing really helped people with their immune system because we carry a lot of bacteria in our mouths um, often. Now this is coming from our own radio.com. They're looking at a study that shows promising signs that mouthwash may help kill COVID-19. Again, we're not claiming it's a cure-all. We're not putting false or fake information out there, but it's something to consider because it definitely does kill things in your mouth. And this is a study that came out of uh, Cardiff University and uh, it's not peer-reviewed yet. It's not published in a journey, in a journal, but it's showing that mouthwash can help wipe out the virus in saliva right? We think about using alcohol of a certain percentage on our counters, and that's the, you know, most effective agent within a mouthwash. Um, but it does not show evidence of a treatment for the coronavirus as it does not reach the lungs or respiratory tracts, right? Um, so it's just going to help in the mouth and the saliva. Because again, the virus is respiratory, it gets down there deep, you can't get the saliva down there. And that kind of is reminiscent of the whole bleach thing, you know, people pouring bleach down their throats trying to drink it. God bless what we'll do. You know, what I mean, all you got to do is stay home. <laughs> then you don't have to worry about drinking the bleach or using the mouthwash. That's a joke. Don't do that. Um, all right, question of the night coming up next. Uh, so weighing on that, as always, that's on our Loveline IG page in the stories. And then we'll be closing out with some DMs. You are listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. All right, y'all, we're back. I'm looking at an article here. Oof. Heterocentric norms are ridiculous sometimes. A woman, this is the, this is the title of the... Um, the article, woman refuses to cancel her wedding after her older sister complains about not marrying first. 
Uh, yeah, don't cancel your wedding. Your sister's anxiety or fragility around the fact that she's older, but you're marrying first is her issue to work on. Dear God, don't accommodate that. Say to her, that makes no sense. That's not a real thing or a rule that you have to get married first because you're older. I'm sorry that you're buying into gender roles and heteronormative ideals, but like, this is my, my, my wedding. Can you be happy for me? Dear God, it's not about you. Like your wedding is, is not about your sister and her anxiety and she might, and she wants you to cancel like how, whoa, narcissism. Yeah. Please don't feed that. I I feel sad for anyone who also has to go up against that. It just, life doesn't work like that. Your age or birth order doesn't promise anything, nor does it give you a right to demand anything like that. So yeah, you, you still have your wedding and you let your sister go cry her tears somewhere else. Like that's ridiculous. Now ageism is real and she's applying it and misusing it against herself, thinking that her age has anything to do with anything. Like dear God, maybe use your sister's wedding if you want one yourself that badly as inspiration or motivation to be a better human being because if this is how you act. You're not that great of a person and this is maybe why you're single. Like where else does your self-centeredness show up? Because that's all I'm hearing. Your sister says she's getting married and you make it about the fact that you're not and you want her to cancel her wedding. That's that's really, really self-centered and selfish. Like let's just call that out. Um, oh, I see these things and I'm thinking like, this is real stuff. People actually live in the world like this, making these demands and with these expectations. It's heart-wrenching. Uh, but uh, now it is time though to go uh, question of the night. Question of the night as always is in our Loveland IG page in the stories. Tonight's question asks, what is one thing you miss and won't be doing this holiday break that you normally do? For me, it's everything. <laughs> I'm going to miss everything and I won't be doing anything that I normally do. No, I kid. I'm telling everyone, still have a holiday, but have it with yourself or whoever's already in your home. Bring no one over. We will be all right without it. Different does not mean broken or canceled. I'm saying dress up, cook your favorite foods, play the music, watch the movies, but it's different. It might be you by yourself. It might be just you and your family. That's okay. Use it as a time to rest, be more reflective, make it bigger and better next year. And for some people, they're just saying, I'm not acknowledging it. That's cool too. Do you drink your drinks, eat your donuts, watch your movies and go to bed early. You know what I mean? Like we don't have to make that day anything. We don't have to make it what it might've been for others. You know, like we, we need to be more mature and above this, this ritual that can terrorize some people, right? Everyone thinks everything has to be done a certain way. It doesn't be creative and diverse, you know, queer it, queer the holiday. Question night though is what 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 do you miss and what that you won't be doing that you normally would? First person said, well, actually let's look at a number here. We got some stats, sorry. Moving too fast. 54% of people said that what they'll miss and they won't be doing is traveling to see family. So that's great, but we need the number to be higher than 54 that aren't traveling. The rest of you, shame on you. 32% uh, what they'll miss but won't be doing is a Friendsgiving. And I'm glad, I'm proud of y'all. Like you, you should not be getting together with your friends. You should not be bringing that many people together and sending them back. That is how we create super spreading. Uh, 12% aren't gonna be leaving town, good. First person though, uh, our listener said, I'm going to miss seeing my high school friends this year for sure. I know, but you can still FaceTime them, call them, and guess what? You'll see them next year. They'll be there next year. Somebody else said, uh, definitely going to miss my family, but hopefully I can go for Christmas, although it's not looking good. It, it, it isn't going to happen if we don't all follow the guidelines for these holidays. We don't get the ones down the road either. So it's like, you, we, you know, y'all got to decide. 
everyone's just, it's demanding that they still participate in the world fully right now. And that just is taking more things away from us. So again, question tonight is what's one thing you miss and won't be doing this holiday break that you normally do. Someone else said, since I don't really have family close by friends, giving is going to be definitely smaller this year. Good, good. It shouldn't be anything actually. No one should be spending time with people outside of their home. So I hope you're not socializing. I'd advocate against that actually. Somebody else said, really gonna miss Friendsgiving. I think me and my roommates are gonna uh, just gonna do food here. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you do it however you wanna do it, you know? And finally, someone said, since I can't see my friends or family, I'm gonna spend the night working Postmates. At least maybe I can make some money to pay to make the day pass. Yeah, work. You know what I mean? Make some extra cash. Cause there's a, here's the thing. You know, it's not just that you're going to be doing Postmates and delivering food. You're going to be giving someone a holiday because there's a lot of people that are self-isolating. They're going to be alone. And so they will be ordering delivery. And you might be one of the only people they see that day. So you get to see some people safely with your mask, giving them their food. You can smile, but you're providing a big service to people because that might be the only joy or exciting thing that day is hearing the buzzer or the door knock, knowing that their delivery is there, you know? So I think that's great that you want to do that. But it takes some time for yourself as well, you know? Use some of that time to just rest, rest and chill out. All right, y'all, the uh, question night is back up on our Love on IG page and stories. Coming up next, we're going to be sliding into those DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and radio.com. And we'll be back in two minutes with our two-minute promise. All right, we're back uh, looking at some of the bad decision-making. Here's an article out of the Huffington Post. Newlyweds express regret as super spreader weddings continue to fuel outbreaks. Over 300 guests are being asked to self-quarantine following a recent wedding in Washington State. An Ohio couple said that nearly half of their guests became ill. So again, we're in a pandemic. I don't know why people are insisting on still getting married and having a wedding during a pandemic. What is the rush? And in fact, it's really self-centered and selfish because that pressure of, well, it's my wedding, it's my wedding, which should mean nothing. People should be able to say, great, congrats, but my mental health and physical health come first. So I want everyone to know, you have a right to say no to anything. Someone's wedding, someone's anniversary, their birthday, their baby shower, if you don't have the money to spend or you don't feel safe, because right now, none of those events should still be happening. And so the fact that they pressured you to go and 300 people might have been infected and God knows how many people those 300 might have spread it to is really, really exactly what we're trying to fight from having happen because people just insist on putting people at risk for things like their wedding. Why do you need to be doing it now? What is the rush? Um, half their guests are ill. So some of them might be on ventilators or die. Why? Because you needed to get married. I, I will never understand such selfishness. I'm sorry. And again, I, I, I'm a sex therapist in a relationship, a couples therapist, but it's not worth someone's death that you need to do a ritualistic celebration of something. Um, cancel it all. Cancel it all. But I want to support everyone who's invited. You have an absolute right to say no. Unfortunately, due to finances or unfortunately due to a pandemic, that is not something that I feel comfortable attending. All the best. Good luck. And uh, yes, they need to accept that because that's called boundaries and that's an important one to set. And I can't believe that people are feeling pressure to attend large events, which by the way is actually there's local and state uh, statutes, laws, and ordinances that are being passed to like push back on those things right now. So God bless y'all. All right, though, let's uh, do a DM. Sliding into the DMs. Sliding into the DMs is brought to you by our friends at Trojan Condoms because it's a big old sexy world and we want you to explore the confidence. Here we go. Hey, Dr. Chris, my name is Alyssa and I've been dating the guy Richie for almost two years. 
We've never seriously talked about our future until recently because I'm looking to get a new job and I'm wondering if I should look near where he lives. He lives in San Diego or if I should stay in Los Angeles. I asked him if he would see us in the future together and he just said, I don't know, maybe. <laughs> it's not a very solid answer, right? I asked him if I should think about applying for things in San Diego and he just said, you should do what you want. I feel like if I ask him more questions, he'll just shut down. But I kind of like to know where our future could be. He just told you. That is the most, that, that answer, what he told you, is a sign of I don't care. He literally said, I don't care. Do what you want. Do what makes sense to you. AKA, I don't care. AKA, I'm not trying to make sure that we have a future together or in the same city. He gave you his answer. Not outright. It's very passive. But like, there's a lot being communicated in those non-response responses. Um, I don't know what more you should ask. I don't know how else you could ask more other than maybe just the question, do you not see me in your future? That's all you got left to ask. But otherwise, he's good with the fact that maybe you won't live in his city or get a job there. Clearly, because he said, do what you want to do. So either he's just so super duper that he supports whatever's in your best interest, which might be possible, but it really sounds like he just honestly doesn't care. And so the question falls on you. How do you feel about being two years into something when someone doesn't really care if you move to a city or not? So it kind of falls back on you. What do you want to do about that? Because that's pretty profound of an answer. A lot of people think that time definitely means intimacy and commitment, but your question shows how it doesn't. For some people, that's casual, and it continues to be casual. And not everyone dates in service of moving towards something more serious or committed. They don't, and they don't have to. Um, dating someone, even someone for two years, isn't a promise that you want or are open to more. It just is what it is, you know? And maybe this person actually doesn't ever want that kind of commitment. Maybe this person isn't someone who wants monogamy or marriage, you know, and that's okay too. But that question really left with you, left you with a decision that you have to make. Do you want to stay in something where after two years, their questions are, do what you want to do? I don't really care, you know? So it falls back on you, but I'm sorry because it didn't sound like you got the answer you wanted to get. But uh, yeah. All right, y'all, that is our show. Uh, tomorrow is a holiday, so Loveline will not be airing. We'll be doing the best of, though, so stick around for that. Please take care of yourselves. Focus on self-care. Focus on joy. Focus on rest. That's what I want the next couple days to be about. But I'll be back on Monday. But until then, you can check out past episodes of Loveline over at wearechannelq.com. And um, be good to each other. You know what I mean? It's all about we need a lot more care and compassion. And finally, please check in on people. There's a lot of people that need to know that there's someone there for them, that there's someone thinking about them. Just fire off a quick text. It doesn't have to be a communication or, or a conversation. Just, hey, on my mind thinking about you. It means a lot to people. We got we to gotta look out for each other. All right, y'all, as always, thanks for hanging out. And you have a beautiful, beautiful rest of your night.